Hey everyone, and welcome to the Wannapuff Podcast, your trusted source for all things cannabis in the Canadian retail market. I'm AJ, and today I am joined by my co-host Steve for our second episode on concentrates, and today is going to be more of a focus on solvent-extracted concentrates. So last time we touched on solventless concentrates, which the output is more like a keef, a hash, bubble hash, rosin. So today we're going to go the other way and talk a little bit more about the concentrates you get when you're using different solvents. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the original concentrates that I had tried as a, as a consumer um, were like the bubble hash and hash. And then I remember when Shatter hit the market and that was really a game changer. I remember having like honey oil. Um, honey oil is another one that would be uh, a solvent extract that's using uh, a BHO or, or butane hash oil is, is what it's called. Um, and, and that's, uh, I think, the first solvent extract that I had consumed on the, on the retail market. Using butane, uh, from what I've heard, is actually really dangerous, like a really dangerous way to extract um, these or use solvents to do extraction. Um, I guess the safer way to do it is more of CO2, but we'll dive into that in a second. Um, So yeah, BHO, butane hash oil, hash oil, honey oil, those all come from when you're using butane as a solvent for extraction. So basically they're dissolving and collecting the cannabis oil. And then the hydrocarbon is purged off and tested, and it's left with a terpene and cannabinoid-rich product. Yeah, uh, I had created uh, a butane hash oil, probably not as well as as some of the producers have on the market. I imagine there was quite a bit of butane left in it um, in, in my homemade um, batch. I remember buying a little honeycomb extractor. Uh, you put your uh, put your cannabis into the extractor. You take a, a can of butane and and plug it into one end, and then your your extraction drips from the other end into a glass uh, jar, and and then you're gonna um, heat that in order to uh, in order to evaporate off the butane, which of course, like we mentioned before, is a highly flammable. So uh, it's quite risky, but um, it's it's something that you can do uh, at home or something that you you can purchase from the store as well. Remember when we said, don't take safety tips from us, folks. <laughs> we, we do not condone. <laughs> yeah, I should mention that we didn't use heat to, uh, to evaporate off the butane when we did it. Um, we used hot water. So um, everything we did was outside and then we boiled water inside and then uh, brought that out and, and just left the tray on, on top of the heated water in order to... Uh, in order to evaporate the butane, but uh, don't take advice from us. Um, don't don't try these things at home. You can purchase this at a store now. There's no reason to put any extra efforts. Um, so something really interesting about that butane extraction is that there's actually a lot of different forms of concentrates that come from using that extraction method. Um, it all has to do with the temperature that's used when they're in that purging stage. So the end result can be a shatter, a wax, a butter, a crumble, an oil, or even a sugar. Yeah, and it's really cool to see all the all the variety of these products that we now see on the market. Um, another one that we we haven't mentioned yet is is live resin, which is uh, another solvent extract that um, that uh, just has so much different variety to it. You can get resin, or you can get live resin, similar to how you can get rosin or live rosin. So um, whether the plant was flash frozen or whether it was dried and cured. Um, but the, the variety that you can get in solvent extracts is um, really, really um, great for, for the market. So you made an important distinction there between live resin, live rosin, and resin and rosin. So how would you like 
How would you explain kind of what that main difference is there when, I mean, it sounds very, very similar, but obviously they're two very different things. Yeah, so we had talked about uh, rosin before. So a rosin press is is heat and pressure to uh, to extract the the um, cannabinoids from the from the bud, um, whereas rosin is uh, a chemical extract. So um, similar out output, but um, definitely a different process in order to uh, in order to extract those cannabinoids. So arguably, rosin would be considered the cleaner the cleaner one because it is uh, solventless, which means that there was no chemicals or anything used when they were extracting that product. Yeah, not to be confused with solvent-free, which you could get solvent-free resin, um, which would mean that the concentrate was extracted using a solvent, um, but the extract that you're purchasing has such a low um, consistency of, of that uh, of that solvent that uh, now they're able to say that it's solvent-free. Yeah, they really like to complicate it don't they for the average consumer anyways um so one of the ones that i mentioned when i was talking about the hydrocarbon extraction is shatter i feel like shatter is one of the most popular concentrates that people used from the gray or the black market and one that a lot of people don't know is in store yet it's been in store for quite a while i think and there's quite a few different variations of it now um i've definitely seen a lot of difference in like the quality of the shatter that I've seen in the market. But I think that's one of the more commonly known concentrates in my opinion anyways. Definitely. Um, so I mentioned before that, uh, that, that uh, hash oil um, or butane hash oil and, and shatter was the first two products that I had tried that were um, extracts that were uh, available on the, on the recreational market prior to legalization. It's really interesting because phyto extracts is where we is the brand that we would purchase from when we were buying our shatter before. And now phyto extracts is something that you can purchase on the, on the legal market. And they also sell shatter. Um, now the packages don't have the same information on them. They, they don't look, uh, the, the same aside from branding. Um, but the, uh, it, it's interesting to see a product that, that was introduced to us on the, uh, on the illicit market that's now available in stores on the, uh, on the regular market. Yeah. As like an aside on that, I think there's like a really big, trust barrier when it comes to people who were really frequent buyers on the black or the gray market to start buying in store because of the things that were happening like early legalization with price and quality and everything and I would just say to those people like give it another shot you know do some research into some of the legal companies because they're not all great but a lot of them are and a lot of them have put a lot of time and effort into figuring out you know these concentrates and their flower in any ways but I digress (laughs) Um, So I was going to say that a fun fact about shatter is that because of the molecular makeup of shatter, it actually, um, the terpenes actually degrade at a slower rate than other concentrates. Oh, I didn't know that. I, uh, I know that when it comes to, uh, to concentrates, the um, storage is really important. So there's a lot of people who, uh, who will put their, their extracts or their concentrates inside of a fridge um, and then only take out the, uh, the, the portion that they plan to consume and, and leave the rest inside of the fridge in order to, to keep it in a stable environment. I know that that's in order to, to maintain flavor. I didn't know that um, the, the shatter actually uh, maintains it on its own. 
That's an interesting point that you make there actually about keeping your concentrates in the fridge because a lot of times in store you'll see them in the fridge and people are like, are you supposed to store them in the fridge? It's like, yes, actually you are supposed to store them in the fridge just because that temperature fluctuation can make those terpenes degrade. It's the same as, you know, last week we talked about um, growing and how in the drying and curing process, the companies have to be so careful so that these terpenes don't degrade when they're curing and drying this flower and getting it ready to go to market that it's it's basically the same concept you know over time you know those terpenes don't just like lock in at a certain point right at any point in time they can still continue to degrade yeah and um you only have the control of your product up until the point of, uh, of, of moving it out of your facility. And then, um, you hope that the retailer is educating your customer and, and storing the product properly. Um, if, if your retailer is storing the, the concentrates inside of the fridge, uh, and, and you're somebody who purchases concentrates, um, that's where I would buy my concentrates over the, uh, over the retailer who's storing them in the, uh, in the storage room. So another concentrate that is extracted using butane um, is wax or crumble. I think it can be often referred to as honeycomb as well. Um, So essentially with that one, it just means that the butane is purged for over 10 hours. And it's another form of butane hash oil that's basically just been agitated during the uh, purging process. And so that's how it ends up with that different consistency. Um, That's really one of the biggest differences when it comes to these concentrates is the consistency of them. And it it depends on what kind of consistency you like when you're taking a dab. You know, some people like to be able to break off a piece of shatter. Personally, I prefer something more like a a wax or even like a butter. Yeah, uh, I've really fallen in love with the live rosin from uh from purple hills the uh the lime and pepper live rosin but um i I like i haven't tried that one yet i like the uh actually i have some extra so i can i can give you some to take home (laughs) Um, but uh but i want to try butter it's it's i think that what's keeping people from coming on to uh to coming to the retail stores to purchase these products is that um there's not the same variety and selection and, and and price um uh, separation for these products. You know, when you go in um, and, and you purchase flour, there's uh, an eighth you can buy for the same price as an ounce. And uh, and there there's just isn't that that option right now when you come in and buy concentrates. That level of variety. Yeah. Brands are more focused, I think, on, on cartridges and how they can differentiate the products and cartridges because they see a larger percentage of cartridges sold. But I think that might be due to the fact that the variety is available in cartridges and not available in concentrates. I mean, we've even talked about, you mentioned the honey oil at the beginning of this and there's honey oil cartridges out there. I've seen those before too. And yeah, like when it comes to say a concentrate like butter, for example, it's got that really nice whipped smooth texture, but it's a really lengthy process to get a product like that, which is why it is difficult to find. And when you do find it, it's expensive. So concentrates, I definitely believe are not for the beginning or beginner consumer that's, you know, smoking really casually, or even if they are smoking every day, it's, we've mentioned before, concentrates can be intimidating. They really can be. Luckily, there's devices and stuff now that are being more 
easily accessible across the market, like the Yocan that you can use for concentrates on the go the same way you would with a 510 battery. Um, but again, with that, you still have to carry the product with you and carry your dab tools with you. So I don't think anything's ever going to beat out that convenience of a 510 thread cartridge. And if they can start packing those concentrates in there, I mean, why wouldn't they? What I had heard recently about some of the, the cartridges is that in order to get the consistency for these concentrates to flow through the system, they're using distillates and other um, like thinning agents. And so I feel like it's almost like, you know, if you buy a pre-roll and then it, they add a, a live rosin to it, they call it an infused pre-roll. So it's like, you should be telling me that this cartridge is a distillate cartridge. That's a live rosin infused distillate cartridge. <laughs> because like, I think that when the customer is buying a live rosin cartridge, they, they're, they're under the understanding that that is, that is what is in the cartridge. And if, if there's other, um, if what I'm purchasing in store is a live rosin in a jar is not what I'm purchasing in a cartridge, then the, the the brand owes it to the consumer to communicate that. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And especially because, you know, when you've got consumers that are coming in, buying a straight up distillate cartridge at 95% and wondering why it's not having the same effects for them as, you know, a, a, um, a different concentrate cartridge you have to go that extra step to be like, okay, let me explain. But you mentioned distillates, so let's talk about distillates for a second. So distillates are essentially the most stripped down version of that specific cannabinoid. So when you're seeing a THC distillate cartridge, it's just THC. There's no terpenes in there. It's just THC. So you're not going to get that entourage effect of all these different um, different terpenes acting on your uh, endocannabinoid system at once. Um, it's just a very, very basic, basically THC water. <laughs> yeah. So it's the, it's the most refined form. Uh, now there are some that are full spectrum extracts. So, so you are able to find products that, um, I think brands are seeing that consumers are, are almost demanding that variety. Um, they're, they're demanding that experience. They, they're, they're taking control of, um, what their expectation is as far as the products that they're able to purchase from the stores. Um, but yeah, the 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 distillate um, in my in my experience, uh, unless you're getting a full spectrum extract, is a very uh, you experience the high right away, and then you come down from it. And it's just kind of uh, it's like an empty high. It's a very quick onset and offset. I'll note like I have to be continuously hauling on any distillate cartridge that I have. I don't buy them super often, but if I ever get them from reps or companies or whatever, I. I literally have to smoke on it basically consistently throughout the night to actually feel a consistent high because otherwise it's very up and down. It's very inconsistent. I would rather spend the money on a full spectrum cartridge than a distillate cartridge personally, because not only am I um, going to get a more well-rounded high, you might be spending more or it feels like you're spending more, but that distillate cartridge, you're going to go through twice as fast because you're constantly hauling on it versus a full spectrum cartridge. You're probably not going to have to smoke as consistently. So you're, it's going to be able to last you for a little while longer. Yeah. I think that the other thing that separates those two products too, um, and, and, and separates the customer is, uh, is the flavor. Uh, the person who's buying a distillate cartridge, um, pro brands are, are much more flavor oriented in, in their distillate products, uh, whereas the live rosin products are much more true to the flower. Um, and so 
yeah, the customer who's buying the, the distillate cartridge or, or uh, a distillate from, from different products on the market um, is likely more flavor focused and, and less experience focused or, or less of a, of a connoisseur, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just wanted to touch on, I mentioned butane hydrocarbon extraction, very dangerous, you and your kitchen experiments over there. <laughs> um, so the safer of the two options to get essentially similar outputs from my understanding anyways, I would like to note that I am by no means an expert on concentrates. <laughs> um, but so CO2 uses pressurized carbon dioxide to separate out the different plant components and you're able to get a smoother full spectrum product once it's been de-waxed and everything. Um, and I wanted us to talk about winterization a little bit. So, you know, we mentioned how solventless concentrates are essentially cleaner because at no point in time is there any solvent touching those products um but how do like let's talk about winterization so how do these companies get this butane this ethanol off of the product so that um they fall into the realm of health canada regulations essentially yeah so uh it for what my understanding is it's using cold temperatures in, in ethanol um, and, and that's going to pull out the uh, the lipids, the the uh, waxes, and, and other undesirable compounds to um, just leave the the compounds that you're looking for, the, the cannabinoids that you're looking for. Um, and and for what I understand, this is um, the much easier method to get to that solvent-free uh, extract. So I also mentioned um, with legacy market users, so people that used to buy off of the black market and the gray market, that level of that trust issue kind of with buying um, from a legal dispensary. And one of the really important things, I think, when it comes to concentrates, when it comes to cartridges, is that, as I mentioned, Health Canada has really strict regulations about what uh, percentage of a presence these um, solvents are allowed to have in legal market cartridges. And that's not regulated on the gray market. It's not the same. And so there's a lot more risk with, I mean really anything, but with, um, buying off the gray market when it comes to cartridges, because it's not regulated. So you have, um, a higher chance of getting essentially a watered down version of your distillate. That's got some of these other solvents still in it because it hasn't been purged the way that it should be for, you know, uh, regulatory consumption. Yeah. I think that it's interesting that you talk about hesitation from people coming from um, the uh, the illicit market um, to to purchase our products in in the the regulated market. Because for myself, I think like if there was a product that was put out on the market and they had a bad experience in in our stores, that product would be recalled. You know, there, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to Health Canada about. Um, uh, extraction methods and and when it comes to uh the the presence of solvents and the in the products that you get in store and when it comes to the functionality of the products that you get in store whereas if on the illicit market if a if a product hits the market and um doesn't meet the brand standard there is no process for recall i couldn't imagine trying to pull a recall in you know the 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 illicit market yeah. so the idea that there's hesitation to come into the store, um, once you become accustomed to the brands that we have in store, once you see the selection that um, that's really available and, and how uh, the, the concentrate variety has grown, uh, I think that it, it would be that transition. It, it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back to buying from the from the illicit side. 
Yeah, I feel like it's one of those, you know, once you've come into a store, it is hard to go back to the gray market, especially when, you know, you're getting consistency. You know the products that are being put out are going to be okay for you. Um, You get to know these brands. You get to know their story. You can do a little bit of research into their processes. Um, So I just urge anyone who's like really, really stuck against going into a legal store to just do some research and go because ultimately you're going to be having a safer experience if you're if you're going about it that way um another product that we wanted to touch on is live resin edibles so i know you mentioned that you haven't tried these before but they're really interesting because the concept is you're getting like a really pure concentrate in your edible right instead of just a distillate you know where you're not going to get that same well-rounded experience you know same process with the terpenes and everything um but i have heard that they taste like trash (laughs) because they just taste like weed it tastes like you're just eating oil so if you're expecting a flavorful gummy it's got live resin in it it's gonna taste like weed so if you like the taste of weed those are probably for you but if you don't don't buy them (laughs) Yeah, I remember um, edibles prior to legalization often tasted like cannabis. And then with legalization, um, we moved away from that uh, from from that flavor profile. Um, I've not tried the live resin edibles. I've tried a lot of edibles. I think that the, the 10 milligram limit on the edibles keeps me from trying more than I have. But um, I have confidence that that limit is going to be uh changed and and that when that limit does change that the the flavor profiles of the edibles aren't going to be significantly impacted um we'll likely see packages of um 10 10 milligram pieces or five 10 milligram pieces um so the flavors of the per unit is isn't going to change much um not against trying a live resin edible i just it wasn't something that caught my attention when I go into the store and I see the other options. When I'm going to buy edibles, I'm going to buy something that tastes like candy for the most part or chocolate. I'm not going to taste weed. If I want to taste good weed, I'm going to buy good flour. I'm going to smoke good flour. I'm going to buy a good cartridge and smoke a good cartridge. So yeah, live resin edibles, Probably not for the person who's going in looking for those products that have a cannabis masking agent in them where you're not going to taste that cannabis flavor at all. Um, But if you like the taste of weed and you just want some gummies or if you feel like you can just throw them back real fast, (laughs) I'm sure the effects are great. I'm sure. (laughs) But I wouldn't want to eat them. (laughs) So the other... um topic I, I i want to uh to make sure we cover on this episode is is botanical terpenes um so uh some brands will um reintroduce botanical terpenes into into their distillates or, or other concentrates and i just wanted to touch on what that meant in in what the difference was between a botanical terpene um and, and a naturally occurring uh terpene within the cannabis plant Yeah. So like the terpenes that are naturally occurring when you're having those really nice full spectrum products, um, those are the the terpenes that exactly came from and mimic what was in the plant. So basically you're getting as much of a true experience to that plant as possible. Whereas botanical terpenes, they will re-add back in for a desired experience, if my understanding is correct on that. Yeah. So they're finding terpenes that, uh, because the terpenes that are in cannabis are naturally occurring in other um, plants and, and, uh, and 
our environment. Um, so taking pinene from uh, another plant um, and then introducing that into uh, into the concentrate that you that you have. Um, so there. The, the idea is, you know, this is going to taste like the flower that you, um, that we extracted from. Um, but there are extracts available where you do get the naturally occurring pining. And so, um, in my experience, I would rather have the natural, um, terpenes than have the botanical terpenes that have been reintroduced. Well, and also if you're trying to get a certain experience because you're strain chasing and you've got, you know, you've tried this strain and flower for however long and you really like it and you want that same experience in a cartridge, you're going to want to look for that full spectrum natural or like live resin version of that product because that's going to give you the most similar experience to what you were experiencing from the flower itself. Yeah. And, and, and let you really like build on your profile for that, for that um, for that flower, for that brand. Whereas if you try something that's reintroduced with botanical terpenes, that's, um, that's not really like a, a good way to, uh, to really explore the different variety of a specific strain because it's, it's not a true reflection of that, of that strain. And I feel like at that point you're getting farther and farther away from that natural cannabis taste. And those are often the ones that I find end up tasting like really artificial to the point where I almost can't handle them sometimes. Cause sometimes like you inhale and you're just like that. It's not nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's, it's I, I've, uh, I've had people tell me it's like someone's describing the flavor to you instead of like your, like you're actually tasting that, yeah. <laughs> that flavor. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. I, I prefer the, uh, the natural turbines over the, uh, the, the reintroduced turbines. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you all for joining Steve and me today. And it was great to discuss the topic of solvent extraction concentrates. And remember, if you're enjoying the Wanna Puff podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on Spotify, Apple Music, and Instagram. Because what else would you want to do? 